And this evening, I'm uh, just going to be focusing really pretty much on just one verse, verse 5. But I'll begin uh, reading at verse 1 through verse 8 of Deuteronomy 6. So listen now to the reading of God's holy word. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and, the, and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Seek the Lord's blessing on this His holy word. O gracious God in heaven, we rejoice and give thanks to you, Father, for uh, another opportunity to come before you and to study your word. And as we come to this passage and consider this topic, we pray that your spirit would give us understanding and that as your word goes forth, it would truly find within our hearts that rich, fertile soil, which will bring about a great and abundant fruit for your glory. So we pray for your blessing upon your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, this evening, I'm going to be uh, beginning a new uh, communion series uh, with the theme of Back to the Basics of the Christian Life. And this series, we want to focus on just some basic doctrines and principles that really set the foundation, the solid foundation, for how we're to live out our faith as Christians in the 21st century. And then we're not necessarily going to go in any particular order of importance. It's certainly hard to imagine us getting anywhere in our journey of faith without love. Love is central to all things. And this, of course, is what the Apostle Paul uh, says in that famous uh, love chapter that we often hear read at weddings in 1 Corinthians 13. And that chapter opens this way, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love I am nothing, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And so regardless of who you are, 
And what you do, and what you do have, if you don't have love, then you actually, in reality, are nothing, and you have nothing. Love is essential to the Christian life. And as we're going to consider this evening, love for God is to be front and center of that life. Indeed, love for God is the greatest commandment that we're given. In Mark chapter 12, when the, uh, the, the lawyer comes to Jesus and inquires about what is the greatest commandment? And of course, you remember this was a trap that the lawyer was, uh, was trying to set for Jesus. And Jesus responds in Mark 12, verse 30, by saying this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Well, here Jesus is obviously quoting from Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, as we read earlier. So why is love for God so important that it would rank as the first and the greatest commandment? Why should we love God? What has God done for you? And why should you love Him? Well, consider these reasons. God is the creator of everything. Genesis 1.1, the very first verse of the Bible, as you open up the Bible, it begins with these words, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. None of us, none of these things, none of, none of anything around us would be here if God did not create it. He is the sovereign Lord. And indeed, all that we have, all that we enjoy in our lives, do you think about the beauty of creation? We think of the, the food that we eat, the shelter that we have, the, the clothing that we wear, everything that we have, God has given to us. James reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes to us by the gracious hand of the Heavenly Father. Everything we have comes from God. And He's indiscriminate with the blessings that He gives at times. Because even uh, Jesus says that even uh, He causes the, the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Of course, the just give praise to God for that rain and the sun, but the unjust and the wicked do not. But there's no denying it all comes from God. So all that we have, all that we enjoy, comes from God, including life. Right? God created man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That was a long time ago. But God continues to bring life as He formed and fashioned each of you in the womb of your mothers where you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so our lives, God gives to us and He sustains us until the time that He has appointed when our life shall be no more. 
Well, not only does He give physical life, but also spiritual life through Jesus Christ. In fact, in Christ, when we come to faith in Christ, we become a new creation. The first creation was physical. Now, in Christ, we become a new creation. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So again, from this, we see that all that we have and enjoy comes from God. And because of that, we should love Him. But we should also love Him because He first loved us. 1 John 4.10, John says, And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The the satisfaction for our sins. This love He showed to us through Christ when God sent His only begotten Son that we might have a pathway to newness of life. Indeed, what we will celebrate is a great gift to us from God because He so abundantly loved us in Christ Jesus in sending His Son to suffer and die on the cross for our sins. And more importantly, He showed us this love while we were His enemies. When we were in rebellion against Him, God still loved us. And if God can love us while we were His enemies... Well, then surely we could love Him when we're His beloved children who have been graciously adopted into His family through Jesus Christ. And so as you see there, as you begin thinking about it, there are several reasons why we should love God. He's our Creator. He's the Giver of life. All that we have has been given to us by God. And because He first loved us, In Jesus Christ. But how much should we love Him? What does He expect from us when He says that we're to love Him? Well, we're called to love God wholly and completely. Not wholly set apart, but fully and completely with all of our person and our being. Again, Deuteronomy 6 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Just note here how the all is repeated throughout, and it's there for emphasis. And here, truly, all means all. Nothing is excluded. No part of our being is excluded. And so, this complete person love is described in four ways. There's three ways that that are here in Deuteronomy 6, and then there's a fourth way that's also mentioned later in Deuteronomy, which then Jesus uh, adds in His response to the lawyer in, in Mark 12. So how much are we to love God? With all our heart. That is, we're to love God from and with our hearts, our whole hearts, and all that flows from it. 
Now, in, in Jewish thought, the heart was considered to be the, uh, the source and the center of all emotions, thoughts, words, and deeds. Whether they're positive or negative, it all comes from the heart. We find this, for example, in Proverbs 4, which says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. And so we're to guard our hearts, because all these things proceed from our hearts. And so to love God with all our hearts is to have Him be the focus and to have His glory be the purpose for all of our emotions, all of our thoughts, all of our words, and all that we do. And so we're to love God with all our hearts. Secondly, we're to love Him with all our soul or, or spirit. That is, our, uh, our soul is our entire self-consciousness, uh, the inner man, the very essence and, and being of who we are. It's that which cannot be destroyed by flesh and blood. You know that the soul is eternal and immortal, and it doesn't die. Well, the way that we love God with our, all our souls is by having the Spirit of God dwell in us. In the Spirit working in us, springing forth the fruits that the Spirit of God produces. Like love, joy, uh, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To those things there is no limit or no end. And so we love God with all our souls when we are producing that fruit for His glory. And thirdly, we're to love God with all our strength or all our might. Now this could infer two things. First, there's the the physical uh, kind of body strength and the faculties. That is how we use our body. Yes, it's true. We should love God by glorifying Him with our bodies. And Paul uses this very argument in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verse 20, where he's uh, talking to the the Corinthians and and warning them about especially sexual immorality. And he says, For you have been bought with a price. Your body's not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, you should glorify God in your body. And so we should certainly care for our bodies and and not subject them to abuse or misuse. But there's also the sense where strength isn't just our our bodies, but it also relates to what we might call our will or desire, even maybe our stubbornness and our drive. Loving God with all our strength and all our might is to bend our wills to God's will, not saying, God, this is what I want and you need to do it. But we say, as we, again, as we considered this morning, God, this is what I want, and, but not my will, but your will be done. It's about self-using, uh, exercising self-control and self-denial. That we work, love God with all our strength when we seek to serve Him first and foremost with all our effort and all our might, all our energy. Well, finally, we're to love the Lord with all our minds. And this is the one that isn't in the list in Deuteronomy 6, but it's uh, actually sometimes seen as falling under the jurisdiction of the heart. 
But when Jesus adds to it, uh, adds it to his response to the lawyer in Mark 12, it actually helps to emphasize again that it's every part of a person that is to love God, even with our thought process. Right? The way we reason and think, our intellect, our dispositions, and our general attitudes. So it's not just intelligence, but intelligence and action, wisdom, how and, and what we think. Well, we love God with our minds by thinking on godly thoughts. Paul exhorts in Philippians 4 saying, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true... Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Right? Not on the trivial, useless things, on sinful things, on worries and concerns, but to meditate on these good things. That our minds are to be focused upon the Lord. And so again we discover that love for God is is to be a total and complete devotion of our whole person and our whole being. Right? All your heart, completely and totally. All your soul, completely and totally. All your strength, completely and totally. All your mind, completely and totally. With the whole person, every and all parts, every fiber in your bodies and in your being, you are to love the Lord your God. Well, how do we accomplish this great task? Well, one way is through personal devotion and thanksgiving and and praise and worship. We must recognize that we cannot truly love without His love first being given to us. Again, 1 John four nineteen, we love because He first loved us. Our love comes from His love. He loved us so much that He gave His Son for us, even giving Him uh, up to suffering and death on our behalf. And He has given us life and provided for new life in Christ Jesus. And so certainly these standing alone would demand our respect, our devotion, and our worship of God. And so we show our love for Him when we worship Him alone. When we forsake all other gods and idols and false gods and idols. We love Him when we worship Him personally or when we publicly gather together as His covenant people. In all our relationships in life, we can build a firm and lasting foundation if the love of God and love for God is evident in our lives. This exemplifies true, pure devotion. And also we should exhibit our love to God by continually giving thanks and presenting ourselves as a thank offering because of what He has done for us. Giving thanks for the renewed blessings that we receive each and every morning. And so devotion and thanksgiving and worship is one way that we show our love to God. A second way 
is by keeping His commands. Throughout the Scripture, the love we're to express and show to God is almost always connected to obedience to His laws and His commands. Now this throws water on those who would uh, teach that the law of God is of little value to the Christian. Right? They would call us to be New Testament Christians in a New Testament church, saying that we don't need the law because we now have grace. Well, that's what we call antinomianism. They want to do away with the law. And it's true we have grace. And this, sadly, is very common in, throughout Christianity today. Now, it's true that the law does have limits. The law can't save, it can't redeem, it can't sanctify. In fact, its purpose is meant to bring conviction of sin and condemnation for those who don't repent or who would trust in law-keeping for their salvation. Salvation isn't of works, but of the grace of God alone through faith alone. But we can't conclude then, as many unfortunately do, that the law is of no importance whatsoever to the Christian. And again, here I'm speaking specifically of the moral law of God. We know that the ceremonial law has been um, fulfilled in the work of Christ. But the moral law of God, what we think of the Ten summarizing the Ten Commandments, that's still binding upon us. Indeed, James says that faith without works is dead. And show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And it's the law of God, that's His revelation to us, to show us what He requires of us as His creatures. And how we as His covenant people may please and and glorify Him. Right, so it's one thing to say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a saved by grace, and that we're to love God. Well, how are we supposed to do that? Well, I don't know. I, it would be great if I had some instructions. Well, God has given us instructions. He's given us His law to show us how we can love and serve Him. Consider the sampling of the testimony of Scripture, again, regarding the intimate connection between love for God and keeping of His commandments. First, we look at this, the context of Deuteronomy 6. Uh, in the, in this, these passages, Moses, or the Lord is telling Moses, telling the people, that, look, I'm giving you these commandments, and you've got to obey them as you get ready to go into the land. And part of that commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Well, later in Deuteronomy 30, verse 15 and 16, the Lord says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgments, that you may live and multiply. So they're loving the Lord. How are you going to do that? Well, you walk in His ways. You keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgments. All, as we find in Psalm 119, all different ways to speak of the law of God. And then in Joshua 22, verse 5, 
Lord says, But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to keep His commandments, to hold fast to Him, and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Sounds like Joshua is also thinking back to Deuteronomy 6. And then even the time of Nehemiah, after the exile, when Nehemiah uh, hears of the disarray that the city of Jerusalem is in, he prays, Lord, God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Nehemiah knows that those who love God are going to be those who also observe His commandments. Now we mentioned already Jesus' response to the lawyer, and again the context there was uh, the, the commandments of God. Jesus later in John 14 verse 15 says to His disciples, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And then in 1 John 5 two, John says, By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. And there we see that we even show our love for one another when we keep God's commandments, and we love Him and serve Him. So love for God... And obeying His commands are truly inseparable. If we love Him, we must keep His commands. And again, as we noted there in 1 John, that the law of God is commandments. They're not burdensome. They're our guide for righteous and holy living. Again, it's not going to save us. It's not where our hope and our faith rests in the law keeping. No, not at all. That only comes by the grace of God. But how do we live? We live by loving God. And if we love God, we'll keep His law. The law is our guide so that we can show God that we truly love Him. That we're truly thankful for the love which He has shown to us through Christ. Again, this it doesn't save us. But it's the fruit of our salvation and the way that we show our gratitude to God for all that He has done. So, beloved of God, remember that we can't truly love God, really, nor anyone else, unless we have His love, knowing that He loved us first. Again, 1 John 4.10, And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe on Him might not perish, but have eternal life. The cross. What we celebrate this evening is God's greatest demonstration of love for us. If we don't have Christ, then we don't have love. And if we don't have love, 
Remember Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13. Well, then we're nothing. And we have nothing. And we receive this gift of love from God. When we're drawn close to Him, when we repent and turn from our sins, and when we trust in Christ alone for salvation. And once we have this love, we're called to have an attitude of gratitude. Giving thanks to Him. Giving worship to Him and showing our love for Him. By keeping His commands. By bearing fruit in the way that we live our lives And in the way that we touch the lives of others, to be a witness to them. So that they too might come to love the Lord, the one true God. And that would all be to the praise and glory of His name alone. Let's pray. O gracious God in heaven, we rejoice and give thanks to you, Father, for this Simple, basic reminder. Such a basic doctrine. We're to love you. That's the first and the greatest commandment. There's so many reasons, and we've considered just a a handful of them, as to why we're to love you. And so we pray, Father, that you would help each of us here. To express that love. Acknowledging that we can only love you if you would first love us. And you've demonstrated that love for us. By giving your son Jesus to suffer and die on the cross for our sins. And making the way of reconciliation available for us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would truly, by your Spirit, enable us to truly love you with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, and all our strength. And that as we would drive and, and seek to love you with our whole being, that would be a great witness to those around us. And that people might ask a reason for the hope that is in us. That they'd be drawn to that love that we show and demonstrate. And that we might be able to bear witness to them of the gospel truth. And so we just praise you and thank you. We pray, Lord, that you would, again, apply these truths to our own hearts first and foremost. But then you would also send us out to bear witness to your great love for us through Jesus Christ. We praise you and thank you for all these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.